How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jesse. Tim, how's it going, sir? Would you believe me if I told you that my buddy, before the season, NFL season started, bet on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl? No. No, I would not. Yeah, so he has that prop bet. Okay. Ready to go tonight. And it was 1,900 to 1. Okay, so what would be the winnings if the Bengals win the Super Bowl tonight? Uh, $7,000. Nice. On $50 bet. Oh, that's... That's pretty good. I'm not going to lie in. Honestly, that makes my prediction of the lightning and five from last season look like amateur hour over here. This guy, he makes some insane bets and uh, they always seem to work out. Like he bet on the Browns to win a game in 2019. And it was the first game, the first game they won in over a season. <laughs> good, Lord, good Lord. So Tim, I'm super excited to get together today. Not only because today is Super Bowl Sunday, but we have a fully loaded episode today. We've got our first half recap. We've got some great games to talk about. But before we do anything, we're going to introduce our guest co-host for today's episode. Our guest this week is the co-host of the After the Buzzer Hockey Podcast. Please welcome to the show, Alicia Scotolaire. Alicia, how's it going? Hi, guys. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Doing really well. Doing really well. And then you just dropped your iPhone. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> wow. It's safe. We're, I saved it. <laughs> we're five minutes into the episode, not even, and you've already broken the kayfabe. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> great, right? But I mean, in fairness, I mean, it was either that or I would mention the old school dolphin helmet behind her, like we talked about before we hit record. So yeah. Super Bowl Sunday. Let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Alicia, like I said, I'm super excited to have you on, not only because we've got a great cover athlete to talk about on our first half recap. But before we do anything, alert, 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 alert. So I'm super excited to announce that next Sunday, February 20th, former TSN Ottawa Bureau Chief turned co-host of the Wally Machot Thought Show, Brad Wallace will be joining us for an exclusive interview. So very, very excited about that. Wally's been somebody we've wanted on the show for a long time, and I'm very happy that we are able to get him on for next week. So Alicia... After, before we get into talking about anything, we got to talk about today's cover athlete because today's episode is season five, episode 18 in chronological order, episode 113, the Nick Paul edition of the third line plug, Sensecast. So just a little background about Nick Paul. He was drafted 101st overall by the Dallas Stars in 2013. He was traded to the Ottawa Senators as part of the Jason Spezza deal in Ju- July of 2014 and is currently in a seventh season with the team recording nine goals, five assists for 14 points in 43 games this season so when talking about nick paul i can't really think of another guy who's had just an interesting transition being from a guy that we didn't know much about to becoming a mainstay with the ottawa senators yeah i mean nick paul's confidence has grown over the what five six years plenty of years he's been with the ottawa senators and he's a great addition to the team I know that he's up for a contract pretty soon. Um, lots of negotiation going back and forth. They would like to keep Nick Paul on the team, but if he's going to be worth or he wants north of $4 million a season, I just don't see that happening with, with the Sens. I don't see a, a guy like Paul making such a great impact like on the score sheet than he is as like a teammate in the dressing room. So it'll be interesting to see what, what goes on with Nick Paul. Yeah, and... 
I think the transition of Nick Paul to unknown to fan favorite is summed up in four words. He does it all. He does. He does. But um, I still think there's a lack of him scoring and making big impact plays. Yeah, yeah he's great on the penalty kill with Connor Brown. We, we've seen that and we've seen them gel pretty well together when he was playing with Team Canada. But I just feel like for him to be on this team, I would pick him at probably two, three million dollars a season. Nothing more than that. I like he's a good third, fourth, fourth line player. He's not he's not a guy to make such a great impact on the score sheet, like what the Sens are lacking right now. Well, I know for myself, and we had a guest co-host, Mike Gould, on the show, and we were talking about Nick Paul. And one of the things that we mentioned was he made a comment about you watch the team like Philadelphia or one of those teams throws $4 million at him. And personally for myself, if he signed a new deal with Ottawa, I would cap it at three. Just because, again, yeah. you go over three, then you're like, okay, are you a bona fide top six now? Or are you a bottom six guy? Because he's a guy who's been moved around the lineup so much. But I think when you – Looking at the factors like Tim Stutzel is going to be a fur contract next year. Josh Norris is going to be a fur contract next season. You pay Nick Paul $4 million and all of a sudden that gets dicey, right? It's kind of yeah. like in St. Louis where they lost Mitch Angelo because they signed, I can't remember the defenseman, they signed for like four and a half million. Yeah. So they need to, they definitely need to watch that. And if we have to give up a guy like Nick Paul up, and I'm okay with it. He's not like a make it or break it for this team, in my <laughs> opinion. No, that's totally fair. But yeah, if you can get him in under, say, like two and a half, you take it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Even if you sign him for four years at two and a half million dollars, just do it. Just do it. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's what does he want in a new deal? Does he want term or does he want money? And I think that's going to be a big deciding factor if he stays in Ottawa. If he can get him under term for a decent amount, absolutely, no problem. But if he's wanting north of four, then we're going to have to let him walk in the He's going to have to. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he's looking for both because, you know, he did mention like he loves Ottawa. He married his wife from here. Um, he's part of like a couple of great organizations in Ottawa. So um, he's ma- made it known that he wants to stay. But if he's going to be asking for too much, I think the Sens are just going to have to pass on him for sure. Yeah, which is kind of unfortunate in the past, given the, what we saw with Anthony Duclair and the fact that he yeah. we offered him four or five five million dollars and he's like no i'm gonna go to free agency but it's a very unfortunate thing but obviously nick paul isn't anthony duclair but we'll have to wait until the new contract mm-hmm. now we gotta plug next week's cover athlete poll because for next week's episode we got some big names on the board for next week's episode it's season five episode 19 in chronological order episode 114 now we got three big names representing three different areas of the Ottawa centers we've got radic bonk Andre Mazaros and Colin Greening. Wow. I had a look before we hit record here. And how is Andre Mazaros winning? That's what I want to know. You know, when you think you was like, oh yeah, Radic Bonk's got this in the bag. But then it's like Andre Mazaros. Really? Oh, was a he really was a big boy. Run. <laughs> God Lord. I mean, unless watches the fans completely swing that way. Like, nope, we want Colin Greening to win it. Mm. But it's no, always let's go with Mazaros. Yeah. It's always fun to see the like the tri-era polls that come up because it really kind of gives you an idea of like the folks that are listening and engaging with the show, what what era of hockey they really like. Well, I think it was what was it last week's episode where you had either Fisher or Shane Pinto, and Shane Pinto won it in a landslide. And it's like, yeah. oh 
Okay. I only think that because there was some a little bit of controversy with yeah. Mike Fisher and his comments with which I find is stupid. I mean, like, don't base your judgment on what's going on in downtown Ottawa and people's, you know, views. Everyone has different views, but just look as a player, what he did to the fan base. I would have picked Mike Fisher. I mean, he was great for Ottawa. So um, Pinto is going to be an, an awesome addition to the Sens. Uh, it sucks that he's dealing with a, an injury right now, but this guy's going to be a stellar on this team. But yeah, definitely Mike Fisher. My God. <laughs> everyone just go with Shane Pinto already. Like he's some star. That's that's the thing that bothers me about sometimes like Sens Nation is it's, it's just like they think this young kid comes in and every young kid's going to be a star. It, they're not. It, they're playing in the National Hockey League. It's different from the OHL, AHL. It's a total different dynamic. And not everyone's going to be a star on this team. So, yeah, they're going to be impactful. But are they going to be a Tim Stutzla? Probably not. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you can even look in the past where you had the Stephen DaCostas or Shane Prince's guys who people were yeah. so heavy on. Yeah, this guy's going to be a star. And it's like, eh, no, not really. Look at Mark Stone. What was he drafted? Six old, Sixth uh, in the sixth, sixth round. round. Yeah. That is and then you have a guy like um, well, Jared right? Cowan. Jared Cowan. Didn't he go first first round? Cowan? He I'm went pretty fifth. sure he did. He, did went, he? he went top 10. Who was that defense? Oh, Cody Cece. Sorry, not Jerry Count. Look at Cece. Like, he's not, he's nothing special. He's not that great. He wasn't that great for the Suns. He was mediocre. He went first round. Yeah. But like you said, look at Drake Batherson. What was it? Second round, right? Fourth. He got drafted? Fourth. <laughs> and there then Formanton is, I want to say sixth. Was Formanton sixth? Yeah, Formanton's late. No, sorry, Formanton's second. Formanton's second. No, yeah, Formanton was second. Batherson was the late one, I remember. Yeah. So, Alicia, I'm very excited to have you on the program, not mm -hmm. only because we get you to be our guest co-host for today's episode, but we also got to do our 2022 Ottawa Senators first half recap. Now, before Ooh. we get into the recap and everything we got to talk about Sens, we got to talk a little bit about yourself and your show after the Buzzer Hockey mm -hmm. Podcast. And one of the things I really like doing on the show, when we get the chance to work with somebody new who've never worked before is we like to talk with them about how they became a fan of the team they became a fan of. Now for yourself, I'd like to hear on your end, how did you become a fan? Of the <laughs> I get this question a lot. It's so funny. So I grew up in the Toronto area. I'm from Toronto and my family's like, they, we like a whole bunch of teams. So my dad's a Habs fan. My brother's a Leafs fan. And then I want to be different. I'm like, I don't want to go for neither of these teams. Like they just bother me. Like they suck. Right. So I remember my dad was telling me a story about Jason Spezza because he grew up with his dad. And um, ever since then, I'm like, wow, Jason Spezza is like my idol. Like, this guy's crazy because I played hockey growing up and I would always watch him play. And just took off from there. I think I was like four or five years old and I said, Ottawa's my team. That's And I stuck to them since. So a lot of, lot of downs, but a few ups. But um, yeah, I mean, I love this team and um, I'm happy I'm with the Ottawa Senators. I chose them. Well, and it's funny because even like you're talking about being from Toronto, I'm amazed that, mm -hmm. you know, obviously the Leafs being like the hometown team and the Sens being like the Northern Ontario, the little brother to the, to the Leafs. But that's yeah. cool. but I have to ask because you being from Toronto, like when it comes to Sens fans, like what is kind of like the feeling in Toronto when you see Ottawa fans around, you're just like, well, this is weird. You're in the middle of Leafs nation and you're wearing a Sens jersey. Yeah, I mean, I try to go to... Uh, maybe two, three games a year in Toronto to watch the boys play. And 
it's funny. Like I, bun- I actually bump into quite a few Sens fans and uh, they're really chill, really like happy to be along. But I'm telling you, the, the, Leafs, the Leafs fans, they're brutal. They will chirp you every moment. We're walking down to the subway, walking to go get like a hot dog, a beer, whatever. They, they're just nasty. I just can't stand them because they're, they're sore sports. And yep. um, yeah, they're a bunch of sucks. So um, yeah, it's different. That's why I tend to go to a lot of games in Ottawa now, not because of like the ticket, not only because of the tickets being cheaper, but like just to be with the fan base, it's, it's crazy. And it makes you feel like you're more at home for sure. Well, I remember uh, one time I was taking the subway from College Station down to Union to go see some yeah. friends after a game, and the sense had just right pummeled the Leafs. And it was funny because <laughs> I was just wearing the jersey out under the coat, and uh, eyes just dropped. Because yeah, like, they look oh, at you like, Bill, yeah. like, what are they doing here? <laughs> but it's like before the game, it would just be like full on, like full on kind of aggressive banter, but then. As soon as they lose, it's just shut the fuck up. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm with you on that. They just, they don't know when to the quit. And I, my only response I come back was have fun, you know, exiting the first round of the playoffs and then they can't <laughs> say shit. Pretty <laughs> so much. It's fun. It's fun. But yeah, it can be, it can be quite annoying sometimes for sure living in Toronto. Or even out here on the West Coast where the Leafs have a pretty big fan base out here. And when Leafs fans see me in an Ottawa jersey, they just look at me like, Ooh, look at you and your center. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, you do realize, like, unlike your team, my team has made it out of the first round in the last <laughs> 20 years. And last, the the last, time we play, last time we won the first round, it was Clark MacArthur who beat the team you guys couldn't beat. So what do you guys <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it. It's If you only say that comment, they have nothing to come back to. Yeah. So it's great. It's great. Well, I mean, my oldest brother's a Toronto fan, and he will never, ever – hear the end of that when it's just like no. <laughs> Boston I just know a bit of a side question here yeah given that you do live in Toronto have you ever got a chance to go down to Buffalo to watch the Sens play I did I did I, I made a trip out to Niagara Falls it was maybe three three years ago um it was an afternoon game and they got destroyed it was probably the worst game I've ever been to but um it was oh still my. fun to see the boys yeah I know, I know which game you're talking about yeah. I watched it was that like game. eight one eight two or something. Yeah, I, I watched remember. that game I left. in a bar in Rochester. Oh my god! <laughs> and I was wearing a said shirt, and uh, the bartender's like, "Do you still want to watch this?" No, change, change to the Bills game. Change no. to the Bills game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember. I think it was. I don't know. Maybe it was like halfway through the third. I was with my boyfriend. I'm like, "Yeah, we got to go. This is embarrassing because the fans in Buffalo are are wild." Like they were nonstop chirping me. And I was just like sitting there, like after a while, like it starts to get to you, you know, they're doing their job, right? Like they want to keep like, chirp- they're chirping the coach. And I was right behind the bench. So I heard everything and, and it was just brutal. I'm like, yeah, we got to get out of here. This is, this is becoming too much. That's amazing. Even talking about that with Sabre fans. And I know that for the Bills fans, Bills mafia is a very big thing in the NFL. I'm actually kind of surprised that even Sabre fans are as wild as Oh my God. They're, they're super loud. They're very aggressive. They throw things like I thought I was at a frat house party and it was insanity. What they were even saying, I think it was Guy Boucher at the time as the Sens head coach, the things that they were saying to him. I remember Guy just even like turning back and like, did this guy actually just say this to me? It was, yeah. I mean, playing in Buffalo, people think it's a shit show there and it's like a shit area. Uh, their fans are very passionate. That's the one thing I could say and get ready to be chirped hundred percent. Yeah. It's like being in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, re- I remember when we had Melissa Burgess on, she basically, she said the nicer version of that. 
So I guess we shouldn't be that surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, that's how it was. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to come back here again. <laughs> I'm done with Buffalo. Now, one of the nice things I really like doing with this show is also talking yeah. to our guests about how they started their podcast or their blog. Now, for yourself, after the Buzzer Hockey Podcast, now I got a chance to listen to a bit of the latest episode. I actually really enjoyed it. Now, you guys have done 20, 29 episodes at the time of this recording. Talk us a little bit about, first of all, how did the idea for After the Hockey Buzz, After the Buzzer Hockey Podcast started? And talk to us a little bit about your co-host. Yeah, for sure. So in the beginning, I remember it was during the pandemic and COVID and I was just like in a funk, like I wasn't able to go out, go see my friends. Like I'm, I'm big on going out and going to play hockey and stuff. And with all like the restrictions and you can't do this, it was like, I got to figure out something to do. Like, especially cause we weren't even watching sports at the time. Like it was a lot of people are dealing with this mentally and I, and I was one of them. And I was like, you know what, let me just start this podcast. Let me just do it for fun. So I got my co-host at the time, Dave. He's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we worked, we used to work together and uh, he was a big Lee fans. I, I was a big uh, Suns fan. And uh, we just started it from there. And um, we called it the Battle of Ontario at first. And then slowly but surely, you know, like he, he decided like to do other things. He, he was getting a little bit too busy. So that's why I brought my new co-host in. His name's Rahil. I went to university with him. So we're really good friends. And he's a huge Haps fan. So I kind of didn't, the name had to change. Couldn't have stayed uh, the Battle of Ontario. So um, we just kept it after the Buzzer Hockey Podcast. That way we talk a bit more like what's going on around the league and, and then focus on our teams. And then we, we love to do a little segment called Chooch of the Week, which is pretty fun. And it's entertaining. But for something that just started off so small, like they ended up getting some little sponsorship deals, um, pretty decent guests that we had on. We, we also had on Brent Wallace on the show um maybe about a year ago so um yeah so it's, it's fun i mean like yeah it's a lot of work with the editing and stuff like that but at the end of the day like to hear your own voice like on apple podcast spotify and getting even people reaching out saying hey like this was awesome can you see if you could add this in or do that it, it's fun it's really cool well i know even for ourselves and i mean we're not on the kind of the same level where we're a much smaller podcast, mm-hmm. even though we've been around for the last probably four or five years. But one of the things I really appreciate is when people reach out to us because, and Tim and I said this on the show, it's more of a, wait, you guys listen to what we're doing? Yeah. Really? It's fun, right? Yeah. Like, what was it? One of the comments that was it Mac made, Tim, that you're just like, you made a comment about lawnmowers and you're like, no, nah, man, you got to get this one. Oh, weed whackers. Yeah, the dude, the dude suggested which brand of weed whacker I should buy. That I was like, wait, people listened through the whole how your day segment went? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that's the best part. And they're and they get to actually kind of know you and and it's so it's it's pretty fun. I mean, like just the people to get engaged and and say like, hey, like this episode was great and stuff like that. It's fun and it's it makes everything, you know, in life better. Yeah. So we're going to segue out of this part of the segment. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the 2021-22 Ottawa Senators first half. Now, coming into the season, fans' expectations had raised with how strong the Senators finished last season. Now, the first half had its share of high moments, followed by a bunch of setbacks, ranging from injuries to just overall rotten luck. Performance, yeah. Overall, Alicia, like, what was your thoughts on the first half? And with the second half already upon us, what kind of expectations do you and mm-hmm. do you think the fans should have? This team yeah it, for sure we, we even discussed this on our episode I think it was two weeks ago and we did the same thing we we broke it down and I mean I think I gave the sense about like a CC plus 
Um, first half of the season to me was okay, decent. Uh, again, we start off slow and that's, to me, that's unacceptable. That cannot happen every season because I don't want to go into every season and be like, okay, I want the first round pick. Oh, maybe next year is going to be better. Like the way that they started off was not okay. I know like we were waiting for Brady to get back in the lineup. I remember even going to Ottawa for a home opener against Toronto and the building was buzzing. The boys were playing amazing and Brady was there cheering on the crowd and it was great. Like you would see the team start to gel, but like over in the next five, six games, you start to see that decrease. And again, it, it's like negativity for the team. And it wasn't so much injuries at the time as it is now, but um, yeah, I mean, that has to stop. And we're seeing now, I think they, even the Sens are playing right now. I think they're up like two, nothing against Washington Two Oh, it's two, one. Okay. So they're going to be having a lot of back-to-back games. I mean, the month of February is crucial. They need to pick it up, right? So uh, to me, slow starts need to stop. They need to, need to because the Sens cannot keep moving forward progressively. Yeah, we're, we're dealing with a few injuries now. Batherson, Norris. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Colin White. I'm not afraid to say it. Um, he's still injured or coming back shortly, right? Something like that. I yeah, I think he's got yeah, a doctor go. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, Norris should be back in, like, two weeks and something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was a little disappointed in the first half of the season, to be honest with you guys. I expected better. Um, just the way how we ended off last season. Yeah. You know, the boys looked like they were all in. And, uh, again, COVID was a huge impact to the team where none of those games got delayed or postponed. I, I didn't understand what uh, Gary Bettman and the NHL were thinking. I mean, like, you look at a team like when Carolina had, like, six – six or I think seven guys out and they're like postponing all their games. Like we had 10 to 12 guys out of the lineup and we were still playing. I just, I just didn't get that. That was a huge part of it too. I mean, we weren't winning as many games as we should have been winning. And I also like to talk about how the fans make a huge impact while the boys play, especially in Ottawa. Again, with them making the restrictions in Ontario, it's, it's huge and not having any fans in the building for a while or just like 500 fans, like, that makes an impact on a team where you can't like hear the building buzzing. I remember when I was in Ottawa, the home opener, I've never seen that many Sens fans in a long time, or even the game I went against Pittsburgh. The building was crazy. Like the Sens were feeding off that energy. And especially for a young team like that, it's important. So um, for them not to have that for, for a while, to me, it was crucial. And that made an impact on them as well. For sure. But definitely one of the big things for me was just how snake bitten some of the players were. Tim Stutzler was a big one. I mean, uh, how many games did he have clear scoring chances where he could have buried it or should have buried it and it either hit the post, goalie stopped it, or stick on front? It's just like, yeah. It's so yeah. Because you could see like he was playing so well, but just couldn't bury it. It was getting to him. He's frustrated, right? He's a 20 year old kid. Like it's going to get to you eventually. And unfortunately that happened to Timmy. I know that he's playing really well now, but again, those starts can't happen. One thing that I noticed a lot, especially kind of in November is there was a lot of games where there would be whole periods where the Sens just didn't play. And that's on the coach. And it's gotten better, but I still think that if Ottawa gets off to even a, a rough start in 2022, you have to start looking at coaching options. 
Yep. I agree with you a hundred percent. Like some of the things that I'm seeing now, like a guy like Josh Brown in the lineup and Zaitsev, it's like, are you kidding me? You guys let a kid like Brandstrom hold out for a long time. I know defense is one of the hardest positions in, in hockey. It, it is, it's, it's tough. And especially a guy at his height as well, but for him to get better, you need to play him. Yeah. He, the NHL, like I always said, the NHL is different than from the OHL, AHL. It's a total different game. And for him to get reps in, he needed to play. And the fact that he was sitting for a while, to me, it wasn't doing him any good. Yeah, he was still playing good hockey down in uh, their affiliated team. But, like, get the guy up already. The guy like Josh Brown should not be playing because he's big. Like, you need to, in this game, you got to be fast and be able to move the puck and with their breakouts and exiting and everything. So it, it sucks that we didn't get to see so much of Brandstrom, but we are now, which is good. Yeah. Well, I think the big one that, frustrates me is this the Sens are mired in a 10 game losing streak the second in two two back-to-back seasons this happens and boost brujo is sitting there on the couching market and pierre dorian <laughs> doesn't pull the trigger that's what frustrated me is you have this coach here just sitting like an and vancouver fucking vancouver of all teams pulls the trigger well i wasn't a fan of when they hired dj to be honest with you back in what was it was it 2020 or 2019 i forget 19. Was it yeah, 2019? And I was like, there were so many other good coaching options out there that had the experience, especially for a young group like Descends. I, I remember even writing an article for Dynasty Sports about this. You need a coach that has experience. A guy like Boost Brujo, why not? Look what he's doing in Vancouver right now. DJ Smith, yeah, he, he was a good coach for the Marlies and, and the London Knights, but like, what NHL experience did he have besides being behind a bench? in Toronto as a, like, as a defense coach, you know what I mean? Whose defense was not great. I don't know. It, it, it mind boggles me still sometimes, but I think DJ, you know, he's going to be close to basically like, if you don't see any good steps in uh, 2022, 2023 season, I think they might pull the plug on him. Well, just look, even looking internally, right. Where you had Trent Mann down in Belleville. It's him too. Yep. You, know, you had him, Luke Richardson, who's been passed over so many times. I mean, look at Montreal. They hired Martin St. Louis over Luke Richardson. Stupid. Stupid. I didn't even like when they gave uh, Ducharme like, the full um, contract and making him head coach. Like, yeah, he was good as an assistant. But, like, did he deserve that little, you know, promotion that he got? No. Because, look, he failed. The only, the only reason why Montreal did so good is because he had Carey Price. Let's be honest. Carey Price held like held his own. Yeah, the team was doing pretty good, but I think Ducharme like stupid hiring. And yeah, guess what happened to him? He's fired. Well, also that team, I have never seen a team fall apart like just pieces fall off the the wagon so fast. Like Price goes grows into crisis care. Uh, Weber's career is effectively ended by injury. Philip Deneau gone. Thomas okay. Tatar gone. And none of the the only real replace you have is Devorah. Oh, sorry. Kotek and Manny gets offer sheeted. <laughs> like <laughs> that, it was an offseason from hell for Montreal. <laughs> and I like Philip Dvorak as a player. Don't yeah. get me wrong. That it that does not replace everything else that happened. And admittedly, you're not going to be able to plug all the holes that opened up now that all the cargo spilled on the road. That's true. But also you look at Cole Caulfield and Suzuki, right? I mean, you're letting, you're making two guys who are what, 20, 21 years old. And you're like, okay, 
you're not going to have to carry this. And oh yeah, by the way, we have really no replacements for any of these guys and you're going to be doing it by yourself. Yeah. Well, that's also a GM issue with Mark Bergevin at the time. Like to me, he made a lot, a lot of wrongful moves in that organization and it costs them because now look at them. They're falling apart. They're crumbling. They're last in the league. For a team that's going to the, all the way to the finals of being last in the league, it's, it's not good. Not good at all. Because they do I have good fans, hockey have players. <laughs> yes, as Suns fans, we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I'm just going to say right now, looking back on that first round, Ottawa would have closed Toronto out in five. Really? I think it would have been close. Really? I think that could have went to game seven. Yeah. So one of the biggest bright spots for the Sens in the second half of last season was the formation and success had by the top line of Brady Deshock, Josh Norris, and Drake Batherson. Mm -hmm. We're excited to see how this line would do in a full 82-game season, and the line did not disappoint as they became one of the best top lines in hockey right up until Drake and Josh both got injured, which threw a monkey wrench into the entire works. Now, I want to get your thoughts here on the B&B's first half success and how big of an impact will their injuries be in the second half? Well, let's start off with Batherson. He's out till April, right? I think maybe end of March, April, Yeah, late March. I think he's still out too. Well, that's to me, that's your best player on the team. Best player on Ottawa. And the contract he has is, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a huge blow to me. Batherson creates the most offensive chances and, and goals in Ottawa right now. Playing with a guy like Norris and, and Brady is also that whole line gels. It reminds me of like the Danny Hately, Jason Spezza and Alfie line. That's what I, I always go back to. I'm like, this is the future line of the sense. This is your yeah. top line. It sucks because I think Brady's missing that chemistry from other players. He's playing right now. Like he doesn't seem like himself. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. Like I don't really see like the only option I see Brady playing with is, is with Timmy and on the center. Cause Brady's a left wing. And, and so is Tim. Yeah. But who do you, who do you guys put on that right side? I'd say Connor Brown, but the Paul Brown Formanton line has been aces. The only guy aces I would think form. of is Tyler Ennis outside of Connor Brown. Yeah, because Ennis can can cycle that puck extremely well. Like he's a little guy, but he could play. He's our short it. king. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, definitely- I love Ennis. Yeah, we're Ennis appreciators here on this show, for sure. Love it. Now, you t- you did mention about Tim Stutzla here, and among the excitement fans had in seeing the B&B line play a full season, Tim Stutzla was somebody last season who gave the fans much excitement and definitely now coming into a full 82-game season. Now, despite Stutzla starting the year off as a left winger, DJ Smith moved him to center following the injury to Shane Pinto, a move that has paid off huge as he's blossomed into Ottawa's number two C. Now, I want to get your thoughts here on DJ mm-hmm. Smith's moving of Stutzla to center and what expectations should we have now that he is our number one center? Yeah, I remember even when he got drafted. I didn't care that Ottawa was drafting third. I just wanted Tim Stutzla. Like, the way this guy plays is is crazy. Like, I, I want him over Lafreniere and Byfield. But uh, starting him off on wing, I think, was key. Like I said before, with, with Tim Stutzla, he, he still has to work on his defense defensive game Uh, a lot of people like like to criticize on that and say oh he's fine defensively no he's not he's still learning the game and as a centerman it's both ways you gotta play offensively and defensively but him playing center right now I think it's it's great for him and he's learning a lot definitely and his defensive game has actually gotten a bit better than when it was last year what I've seen 
personally. Uh, yeah, there's still things to work on, but that's like almost every player, especially at his age. He's only 20 years old, for God's sakes. Like, cut the kid some uh, slack, but he still has plenty to learn. But I think it depends on which team he's facing. Like, if you put him on a facing a, a team like, let's say, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and Matthews is a centerman, and you're going up against him, I don't see that as a good matchup. I see him pushing him to more on the wing side. So to me, it depends on which team. If you're facing like a bit of a weaker team, like let's say Montreal or or Arizona or maybe, I don't know, a a team like that, like New Jersey, play him center. That's where you're going to learn. And then catch up to those teams where you can play center full time. Well, right. it's almost kind of surprising just how well he's transitioned to being a centerman because for I knew that he was kind of a tweener. He was a left winger and center, but they didn't really play him at center last year. They played him as a winger. Oh, yeah. He looked good. Like he looked pretty good, but you can tell at times that he was just too small. He was not big enough. They could push him off the puck, put him at center. That's a problem. Take the puck and it's like, okay, well, try and catch me now. Yeah, exactly. And that's what he was. I, I remember that game against the Leafs. It was, um, it was the second time we were facing him. He couldn't keep up with Matthews. It's like an unfair advantage putting him center versus Matthews. It just can't happen. He needs, he still has room to bulk and grow to me, but um, I do see him being one of the top centermen for the Suns, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, between him and Norris and Norris and is Pinto, weird, or, yeah, Norris yeah is such I, a weird top center because he's a he's a shooter first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy can big. shoot the puck. Yeah. Norris, Norris is a big, big guy. And he's put on quite a, like, I didn't remember. remember. It was like 10, 15 pounds of muscle in one summer. I was like, holy crap. Like this guy, this guy's going to be a big guy. And that's what to me is going to eventually do. Like he's still young, but I think once he gets there and feels more comfortable playing center, I think he's going to be a star. Now, another guy I want to talk about here is Alex Formanton because he's the guy who's been <laughs> a this. topic of discussion among fans, especially on Sense Twitter, mm-hmm. as what the Sense should do with him early on this season. And he's been a guy who has always had the speed but not the finishing touch. And over the last while, he really has emerged as a scoring yeah. threat complementing to us on the second line. What has been your thoughts on Alex Formanton's first half, and do you see his play being sustainable in the second half? I'm going to be very... Um... I don't know if to use the right word because sense Twitter literally ain't me alive for this. Um, so I'll be careful how I speak of Formington because it offends everybody. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of him in the, in the first half of the season. I was not. I, I mean, like, like you said before, like he has the ability of speed. He has the skill. He cannot finish every breakaway. I was like, this guy's not going to score. Why am I even looking? You know what I mean? There was no confidence in his game at all. Yeah, lately, from the past 15 to 20 games, he's emerged into a really good player, and he's gaining that confidence and and pulling that stride. But um, I made one comment, and I'll talk about it on here, that I think it was time just to maybe move on from Formington and put him up for a trade. And I only said that because we have a lot of young prospects. And the left side, between the left D and the left forwards, it's jammed. People are not looking at that. And guess what? Not every young player is going to play or that young player going to be even better than what we have right now. So I said, why not put him in a trade? Why not trade him for, and I was kind of making like little mock trades here and there. So, and I said, if we were to bring in a guy like Patrick Lining, let's just say Patrick Lining. Okay. Would you not trade one, like a trade a guy like Formington to get a player like that, whose skill, who we want to be able to make the playoffs and get, 
these guys who have the experience, not in playoff experience, but who's a lot more talented. Do you, do you guys agree or or no? Well, it would depend who else is in the package, right? Like well, yeah, I'm just in and out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think at if Formanton is part of a package for line A and the rest of the package is agreeable, yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. But I think that uh, like Formanton over the last 30 games has really transformed into a two, three tweener. And I think as he gets bigger, he'll probably cement himself as a bona fide second line player. We're talking about someone who we're starting to see. I'm between second and third line. Like I'm still not confident that he's a second line player. He's well, he finished. He's starting to finish the nuts starting. Yeah. Like we're looking at 75th percentile finisher in the NHL. Three quarters of the NHL does not finish as well as Foreman does. Like that's Listen, something we have to keep in. We have yes. to keep in mind is that Formented's finishing ability has come from. Is is this the reincarnation of Eric Condra? To oh, there's something here. Yeah. Listen, I'm a. I like Formington. I think he's very skilled. He, his his speed is incredible. I just feel like he has to just work on a, a few more things to be that elite player, to be that second liner. I still don't. I'm still not confident he is. I was watching the game against Boston. I think it was yesterday and um, he didn't stand out or the couple nights before he didn't stand out to me. Like he, for me, you've got to be consistent to be on okay. that second line. It, to me, his consistency is not there. I know he scored a shorthand to go. Oh, finally he buried one today. It's about time. But um, yeah, I mean, like I still like Formington, but if we were to bring in a guy that's had more experience, more skill and who has, the ability to finish more, I think I would pull it, pull the plug on it. But a lot of people disagree with that. But that's just my opinion. Don't go all hatred on me for that one. I do actually remember that tweet, and I'm like, yeah. oh, it was a bad idea reading the responses. It was just like, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Where Ooh. I was getting death threats from him, and it was like, oh, he, guys, no, I'm I'm serious, guys. Like, yeah, honestly, and I stepped away from it a bit. And I'm like, and then there was like conversations, like people going live. And talking about me, it's just like, listen, I'm on Twitter just to have fun and interact with Sens fans. And hey, not everyone's going to like what I say. And that's like, that's cool. Like, I'm cool with it. But like, do it in a respectful manner. You know, like, don't be a, a, a fucking bully online. Like, to me, that's rude. I would never do something like that. That's the one thing I actually want to say, especially because it's like mental awareness month and, and stuff like that. Like, people need to be better and stuff so yeah i decided to take a little bit of step away from twitter recently but uh yeah got too much (laughs) well i did the same thing and not just not because Mm -hmm. i made a comment on twitter it was just because just reading it just got so exhausting it's just god like no garbage pit exactly it's just like are you guys serious like, like everyone's entitled to their own opinion, right? Like, let's let's be real. Like, if you say something about, let's say, um, Connor Brown, and I don't agree with it, be like, yeah, man, I see what you're saying, but I really think he could do better here. Blah, blah. you know what I mean? Mm. Respectfully, and and I'm gonna be honest, since since Twitter is, is fucking toxic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, there's like you're either on the left side or you're either on the right side. I joke about it, like. Um, I met Bruce Gary a couple times and was able to talk to him a couple times. Very nice guy. And he does his job. To me, he does his job well. Like, yeah, but people just shit on him and then bully him and harass him. And, and then people say, oh, I, I blocked him or he blocked me and screenshot. It's like, are you guys two years old? Yeah. Like, 
it's it's very childish and to me that bothers me because it, the hatred is it's too much especially in a day like today and people are going through a lot mentally is with covid and yeah. the pandemic and everything and it's got to stop 100%. But yeah, that's my thoughts on porn. You know what? I 100% <laughs> agree with you because honestly, I've I've been the same way. I've been more of a Look, if you don't agree with somebody who says you don't need to respond, you don't need to like I read shit all the time and I'm just like I don't agree with this. Like look at like Garyock. I don't agree with what he, a lot of what he said, but I'm not going to go out of my way to be a dick to him. It's like No, of course not. No, because that what that what does that make you, right? I mean like sometimes I don't agree with what he put out there. But I don't hate the guy. Like it's just how he writes in his opinion, but people, oh my god, it's it's getting to a point where I'm leaving. Like this is just insane. Well, that's kind of the weird thing about Garyock is that a lot of guys who write for the Sun or write for the Journal and stuff, they will happily just post post their bit, maybe tweet a bit with people they know, and that's mm-hmm. it. Garyock, he does go out of his way to talk with the fans on Twitter. Like that's something yeah. that I do appreciate about Bruce, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, it seems to bite him in the ass more than anything else. Yeah, and that's the one thing. Like when you when you see a guy like respond to people, like even like Mark Masters, you don't see him like responding to everyone or trying to engage in Twitter. Like a guy like Bruce does that. A guy like Mathot does that. You know, like I got couple shoutouts from Ian Mendes does it. So it's like they're trying their best to like engage and hype up, you know, the sends and stuff. But like if they say one thing that someone doesn't agree with them they're the most shittiest person or they're the most shittiest reporter. Like get him out. Like guys, come on, cut the crap. It's so BS. So we're going to move away from sense Twitter. Yeah. But we are going to talk about a guy who's also been a bit of a sticking point with fans coming into the season is Eric Branch. And Eric was a guy who last season went from somebody who was not given any rope at all. And we talked about it extensively to a guy who gained a lot of trust in DJ Smith following the injury to Shama Shabbat. And it appears that the coaching staff really has retained the said confidence this season as they finally paired him with Thomas Shabbat at some point this season. So I'd like to get your thoughts. First of all, like what was your thoughts on Branstrom gaining that confidence from the coaching staff and does Ottawa or should Ottawa continue to play Branstrom Shabbat in the second half? That's a good question. Um, I like Branstrom. Um, I wasn't too sure of what type of player he was when we got him from the Mark Stone trade um, via Vegas, but um, like I said before, def- defensemen are really hard. It's a really hard position to play. And especially for a guy like his height, he's a short dude. and He's not like the biggest guy out there. He's like almost like a Victor Mete. I kind of compare him to, but way better than Mete because Mete, I don't understand his game at all lately, but whatever. Moving on from that. Um, I was a little disappointed when he didn't make the team at first. Um, but I think what he did in Belleville was great. I think he needed to play a lot more, able to exit the zone properly, create those smooth passes. And now that we're finally able to see that as a sense, I think that was the right move to do it. Don't rush a defenseman. Why are you rushing them for? He will eventually come up here. A guy like Sanderson's coming up fairly shortly after the Olympics, right? And that guy's going to be able to watch like full time, but don't expect him to be an impactful player right away. He's going to have to learn the transition from what he was playing in college to the NHL, right? So a guy like Branson taking that step down and, again, building and learning as much as he can playing in Belleville, I think it was the perfect step. Now that we're seeing him playing more and the outlet passes he's creating, the the exiting of the zone, that's what he was struggling a lot last season. 
he could not exit the zone properly at all or make that first pass out. So the fact that we're able to see that more and his confidence in his play, I think, I think Branson's going to be very good for this team. And the fact that he was even playing with a guy like Shabbat, I thought was huge. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, cause you're learning from him. Shabbat's been in the league for what? I don't know how many years, but oh, he's been there. For, yeah. I think he's one of the longest defensemen right now as a son. So um, I think that was huge. And, you could you could tell like me personally, I could tell his game has been emerging. How about you guys? What do you guys think? Oh, the third line plugs Twitter account for about a day was the Eric Brandstrom Appreciation Twitter account. Oh my god, there's accounts like those. Uh, Tay changed the name back. Oh god, okay. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate Eric Brandstrom on this podcast, and I think you guys are right because DJ Smith does too. Over the last 10 games, Eric Brandstrom has played, is tied for third in minutes per game with the Senators at about 21, with Shabbat at 27, Zub at 22, Holden and Brandstrom at 21. And he's he's got about five minutes per game on Zaitsev. <laughs> so, like, if someone's coming out of the lineup for Sanford, sorry, Sanford, <laughs> Sanderson to slot in, it's going to be Jay Brown. It has to be. And if it's not, then I start looking at the coach. Like, what are you yeah, thinking? Pretty much. Like, what are you doing? I really, honestly, I really hope that doesn't happen. I don't, I don't know what you guys, what you guys see in Josh Brown. I'm not a huge fan of him. I feel like he's slow and he's just there like to be like, protect the net and protect the goalie. But for me, he's nothing special. He's a slight upgrade. He's, on Branson. Yeah. he's an upgrade on Gabranson <laughs> is exactly right. Although yeah. one thing I've noticed is Josh Brown and Branson, when he plays with Brandstrom, those two just for whatever reason seem to get each other. And they're, Josh they're Brown chemistry, is right. Yeah, they have very good chemistry, and they're just markedly. Josh Brown is markedly better with Brandstrom than anyone else. One thing that I wish the Sens could pull off, but I don't think uh, any team would bite except maybe Philadelphia, is a trade. A trade for Zaitsev, like mm. Zaitsev, Ottawa have to eat keeps, some salary. Yeah, Ottawa keeps half the salary. Ottawa gets a seventh. Yeah, he to me he's done. He's, he's done. cooked. You know what the the funny thing is though, he had a decent season when he first came. I didn't mind him at all. I didn't. The, but just like this season has been a shit show. It's like, what are you doing out there? He's not even protecting in front of the net. He's not clearing the zone properly. And it's disappointing to see like the fact that we have to take off in this contract because the contract's horrible. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, in order to get rid of Zaitsev, you're gonna have to trade him. Well, you're going to have to eat salary. Like you said, you're going to have to. I think so. I think you're definitely going to eat salary. But then again, between that and buying out, I'd say balling, buying out Colin White in the offseason. Dude, I agree with you 100%. 100%. That's going to happen. I was never a huge fan when they even took him. I know that there's like a lot of connections with Boston and Brady and and, and all of that and him being because there's quite a few Americans on the Suns roster. Mm -hmm. You got Norris, uh, Brady, you got Colin White, you got Sanderson now. There's a, there's a couple more, but like, uh, and that contract was horrible. It was horrible. I don't I don't know what uh, Dorian was thinking keeping a guy like that who has what to prove in he what well, he's not like a twenty point score thirty point score in the league once and hasn't been since he's been flat for me and he's very injury prone. So I agree with you on that. I really hope they buy him out. 
Now, one of the big issues Ottawa ran into last season was their inconsistency when it came to goaltending. Now, coming into the season, fans had a bit of a quote-unquote new year fresh start with Ottawa's goaltending. Now, the Sens faced the same kind of challenge in goal they had last season where guys were playing well, then getting hurt, or they were just inconsistent. Overall, what has been your thoughts on the Sens goaltending in the first half? And do you think we see Matt Murray fully emerge as the number one, or do you think Ottawa goes with a tandem? That's funny. Um, every time Matt Murray like played, like not recently, because recently he's been outstanding. Like this is the Matt Murray we've wanted from when he came. It's just like, oh, he's playing no confidence at all. This guy's not going to do much in the contract again. He's getting pretty, pretty well, guys, right? And yep. just, like, I had no confidence in him. I knew the Sens were going to lose that game. Um, I think there is a goalie issue right now in Ottawa. Like, you have a guy like Forsberg. I don't rely on him too much either. Like, I'm not a huge fan of him. I do like Gus the Bus, but to me, he's a backup goalie. Like, if you need him to step in and let's say one, one of your main goalies is not playing good, he's going to come in and save the day. Like, we've seen it so many times. The guy, the guy is stellar, and he's not even playing with the best defensive core in front of him right now, or team, quote-unquote team, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Murray recently, yes, has been playing on Sandy. Can he keep this consistency? I'm not sure. I hope he does, because then he's going to be worth that money if we're paying him. Even the last game against Boston, the team was like crap. They came all flat. They were shit. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. The only person who played well was Matt Murray and what he and his stops he was doing. It could have been a five nothing game. Let's be real. You only kept it down to was it two nothing, right? Two nothing. Yeah. yeah. So if we had that consistency that we're seeing in Matt Murray recently from the past five to six games, I do see the Sens keeping him on. If he doesn't, and he's a very, but he's injury prone too, you know. He's either sick or he pulled his groin or something. So like that's that's a one thing the Sens need to keep an eye on. But yeah, consistency has to be huge. If not. <laughs> time to start looking for a goalie what do you guys think i'm a big you know what i think matt murray has played very well recently and he yeah. was a guy last season that he gave me kind of the vibes i have with forsberg this year it's kind of you, you see him starting you're like oh god okay <laughs> how about are we gonna get blown up tonight but honestly yeah. matt murray and even in the last couple of games that ottawa lost you look at his numbers and you're like okay there's no way that the numbers should be this good and we yeah the game despite a rough start for the Ottawa Senators goalies in general, that ended up with uh, Matt Murray getting demoted over the entire season. Matt Murray is now 10th in save percentage in the league. In the league? In the wow. league. So it's yeah. Matt Murray has turned his game around. He now has a point a 9.922 save percentage. That's if, huge. If he can finish this season like this and start next season, well... I think I'm willing to write off the two years, last two years in Pittsburgh and the start of the 2021 campaign as Matt Murray had personal issues there overcome. The Matt Murray who won two Stanley Cups is the real Matt Murray. That's interesting that you say that. Um, Yeah, like, like I said, like a lot of people deal with like mental issues or something, you know, losing a family. I know he lost his father. He was dealing with that and moving to Ottawa from going to a Stanley cup winning team, you know, like yeah, you don't feel the greatest because you're going to a team who's basically in a rebuild. They're, they're still rebuilding whether you like it or not. But um, yeah. So I guess it was tough on him, but like you said, if you start to see this consistency, yeah, this is the 20, this is the Matt 
Murray that's won two Stanley Cups. And we need to see that consistently, though. Yeah. I keep that word in for sure. Yeah, yeah. If he's consistent, and and I really hope he is, Dorian picking up for a fourth and then signing him a value contract at his lowest will be probably one of his best moves. Like if you this works, if this gamble works out, it'll be gr- like I think the risk to reward on it was probably well set up. Well, we'll see what happens, right? It'll be interesting to see how the second half of the season goes and if he's going to be consistently the starter. Well, guys, that wraps up our first half recap, which can mean only one thing. It's time to start talking about some games. Now, we got four games on the schedule. We've got the Devils versus the Senators, Hurricanes versus the Senators, the Penguins versus the Sens, and the Bruins versus the Senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> okay, let's start talking about the Devils versus the Senators. This is a four to one Senators victory. The lone Devils goal was scored by Nigo Hersher. Sens goals were scored by Nick Paul, Nick Holden, Adam Gaudet, and Connor Brown. Shots were 33-24 for New Jersey. Nico Hersher opens the score to make it one nothing Devils, deflecting the point shot. Nick Paul gets the gets Ottawa on the board to tie the game at one. Nick Holden scores from the point to make it two one Senators. Adam Gaudet snipes one home to make it three one, and Connor Brown scores to make it four one Senators, which would be the final. So I condensed. So I had to condense watch this because again we were recording last week's episode. Let's talk about Matt and Murray. Thirty two saves, a .970 save percentage. The guy's just continuing his latest run of success despite that softy he let in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played extremely well. One thing that uh, Jay McClendon pointed this out on the TV broadcast, I'm going to repeat it here, is that Matt Murray played a very aggressive game. He was he spent a lot of time outside of his crease just fronting pucks and then contracting in to take away most of the net that any New Jersey shooter could really see. It was, it was almost a master class of goaltending other than the softy. It really, really was. Now, I want to talk about a couple of other guys. First of all, Nick Paul. He had a goal assist for two points on three shots. The goal itself, I mean, there was nothing really fancy about the goal itself, but it was just a good, clean shot on the net that went in. Yeah, put pucks on it. Eventually, they're going to go in, right? Well, the other thing is the timing of this is crucial because if Ottawa went into the end of the period, went into the second period, 1-0 deficit, it's a bit of a tougher hill to climb, but uh, coming in tied one, one, the team's like, okay, we're, we're still in this clean game boys. And it shows in the second where you have New Jersey has a bit of a push to start the period, but then Holden and Godet just completely locked down the rest of the game. So let's talk about Adam Godet who had a goal in this one. And let me tell you what an absolute rocker of a wrister. Man. I mean, I gotta say, I I've been very happy with Adam Godet as a member of all those, and given that some of the waiver claims we've made in the past, whether it be Victor Mette, Adam Gaudet, I think Gaudet's got to like be that. the best ones that he's made so far. I think so. I agree with you on that 100%. Yeah, he is the quintessential fourth. He's a fourth-line player you would see on a good team. And at 25, said, yeah. at 25, I think he ages with this team the way you want him to. He's playing with serious skill right now. Mm-hmm. Like he's confident when he's out there and we haven't seen that from him with his time with his other teams. So just to see that, I like it's huge for Ottawa. Yes. 
to be fair, some of that time was with Travis, Travis Creed or DJ King. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the final guy I want to talk about is Connor Brown, who had one goal, one assist for two points on three shots. I want to say this was his first game back. If I'm not, it was. Was his first game? Okay, wait. Yeah. His first game back after breaking his jaw, his first shot was stopped, but buries the second. I like to think it's because Thomas Shabbat bought him that Louis Vuitton backpack. Louis back. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Could be. The only negative note I really have. This. I want to see that backpack. It's like, got to be a nice backpack. It's got to be, right? The only negative note I have is the Shabbat Zaitsev pairing was a disaster. Dude, horrible horrible they, they they just don't click no whether they like to say that in interviews when people fucking reporters go to talk to them and stuff it's all bs you could tell shabbat does not like playing with a guy like Zaitsev. let's be real well it's like it's incredible the difference in productivity between shabbat Zaitsev and shabbat zub or shabbat brandstrom mm-hmm. i love zub i'm a huge fan of zub zub zub, zub. <laughs> the zub chance I can't wait if I get to get a chance to go to the game in Vancouver because I I have a sign made up that says Zub there it is in honor of the Bruce, oh yeah the Bruce there it is yeah love yeah. that but Tim had a really good one when he went to the game in uh, Calgary though yeah so I went with my wife so we took two signs the first one had a Z and then six U's and the second one had oh six God. more U's and a B love that did they, did he see it did he end up seeing I it? don't think he saw it. No, oh. well, at least he did that for him. Appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. Hurricanes versus Senators. This is a four to three Senators victory. Hurricanes scored scored by Andre Nasashikov, Fox, Snafishikov, Brendan Smith, and Vincent Trocek. Sens goals are scored by Brady Tchuk with two, Alex Formanton, and Chris Tierney. Shots were 45 31 for the Hurricanes. Brady Chucks opens the scoring to make it one of these senators with a shot from behind the net that hits a defenseman and in. Alex Fornton scores to make it two nothing in front. Brady gets a second of the night to make it three nothing, cleaning up Stitzel's rebound. Tyranny intercepts the Hurricanes pass to put it bar down to make it four one. Then only good goal. the Hurricanes all score to make it four three sends, which would be the final. Again, another game I had to watch. I just I didn't get a chance to sit down and watch this game. That third period collapse. Uh, listen, the sense came out pretty. Yeah, he did. But they came out strong in the first in the first period. A little bit in the second, but the third was a disaster. And that's again because they're a young team and lack of finishing games, playing full games, first to third period. I they don't have that yet. And, and this is facing the a, a team like Carolina. Hello. They're going to fucking capitalize on those chances, right? And this was the second game on a back-to-back, and Back, I think it yeah. was third and four nights. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised that the Sens just ran out of gas. And I think the fact that they were able to dominate arguably one of the best teams in the league for two periods is incredible. Oh, but yeah, yeah you, you need to keep some energy in the tank for the last period. It's the most important period, right? So you close it out. Yeah. And yeah, I think they definitely need to work on that a little bit more. It's true. Now, I do want to correct myself. Savinch. Svechnikov. God. Even I had, I wrote it here like, Tongue twister. I still can't even say it correctly. Good Lord. 
maybe if he's joined the Sens, maybe I'd learn how to say his name properly. Yeah. <laughs> but a guy who I know I'm not going to butcher his last name, Brady to Chuck, two goals on seven shots. Surprisingly enough, this is his first game in first goal in 15 games. And let me tell you, talk about classic Brady goals. Yeah. Hard worker in front of the net, gritty player, getting those rebounds, just finish being able to finish. That's huge for Brady. And yeah. that's the type of game he plays. Like he's not gonna do a bar down shot like Norris or or Batherson. That's just Tierney. not break. Oh God. The only time for Chris Tierney, <laughs> but like can't stand him either. But um, yeah, I mean, that's the type of player we need on this team, and I'm glad that he's here for another eight years. Yeah. And Brady Kachuk had a dominant performance uh he had one expected goal which is more than twice the next player on the carolina hurricanes in Svechnikov. formanton had a freaking night itself he did he played extremely well like he burned carolina on one opportunity and then almost created a, a few others just bursting in getting close and just letting away that wicked, wicked wrister he has. Like that's the big thing about Formanton that I really, that I really see in him is that wrist shot is terrifying. It can be. Yeah, I agree. Now, another guy who he didn't get any goals, but I thought he looked really good in this game was Tim Stutzla, two assists (laughs) and one shot. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be third line plug if we don't mention Timmy Stu at least once. But honestly, I thought he looked pretty good in this from what I was seeing on the condensed game. Yeah, one thing I thought that was real an interesting tactical decision that DJ Smith has been deploying is when Stutzla is matched up against some of the bigger centermen, he'll have Brady take the face off because Brady's actually pretty good at face offs, all things considered. Yeah, it's kind of surprising too, eh? Because again, he's more of a winger, not a centerman, but also he's just a bigger guy. Like the, the other centerman's not going to try and bully him off the puck. No. Brady would just look at him and be like, eh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And Stutzla Kachuk Gaudet was a surprisingly that good That was a line. good line, eh? I like that line. They were gelling pretty quickly. Yeah. Speed, and- skill, and toughness from Brady. Is it, to me, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. And Adam Gaudet like we were talking about him as the quintessential waiver wire pickup. It's nice that he can slide up and down the lineup as well. And it allows uh, DJ Smith to keep the Foreman and Paul Brown line together. Yeah. Cause they played a, a, a lot together Foreman Brown and Paul. I remember last season they played a lot. Well, there's the legend of team Canada at the world cup. Yeah. I know that photo though, those two at the world, not the world junior, the world championships, it went hard. Let's be honest. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> the last guy I want to talk about here is Anton Forsberg, who had 42 saves, a 0.933 save percentage. And I said in our first half recap, talking about Anton Forsberg, that I was always kind of worried anytime we ever saw him in the net. But honestly, he got the W, so I can't really complain. He got the job done. His team obviously near the end wasn't playing good enough. That's why those you know goals started to creep up on him. But yeah, I'm still not convinced with Forsberg though. He did play a good, have a good yeah. game. I'm just not convinced. I think he's a B tier backup. Yeah. So it's not surprising he gets picked up on waivers whenever he comes up on waivers. Yeah. I uh, agree. For whatever reason, this guy has just the axe out for his former teams. Like he did, he was on the Carolina roster at one point and he has just. 
taken it to them every time that Ottawa and Carolina have met this season. Let's move our attention to the third game of the evening. Penguins versus Senators is a two to nothing Penguins shutout victory. Penguins goes scored by Jeff Carter and Ryan Rust. Shots were 44-26 for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh outplayed Ottawa throughout this game. Both teams came out throwing the body and creating scoring chances. However, Pittsburgh were able to capitalize on their chances as they would get the shutout. I got to tell you guys, like, I wonder how different this game would have gone if either Norris or Batherson was healthy in this game. Again, like you're missing key guys, right? Like, it, I think it would have been a different game. When was it? Like, in November, they dominated that game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah they had a few guys out Pittsburgh. But, like, still, Sens played amazing. And who was playing well? Their top line, Brady Norris and Batherson. So, if those two were there playing, I think it could have been a, a game changer for sure. What's kind of insane is that the Ottawa Senators actually kept Sidney Crosby pretty quiet. It was Jeff Carter that scored the game winner. He's been surprisingly all good though all season. Like, yeah. what a great pickup. Love that. Although part of me wonders if it's just Jeff Carter regresses five years in age whenever he steps foot in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I still, I, I mean, I've, I've always been a huge fan of Jeff Carter. So um, for him, like going to the Penguins, I thought that was an, an amazing pickup by them for sure. Because he signed as a UFA, no? He did, and then they gave him a contract. In the yeah. last couple of weeks. Yeah. I said the same thing, and Jeff Carter, again, was another guy that I agree. I was a I was a Carter guy myself. He goes to Pittsburgh, and honestly, that's a kind of a perfect contract. Just nine over three. Doesn't hurt the team. Can play in the top six, so you can't really complain. Now, I want to talk about Matt Murray because, again, with 43 saves, a .977 save percentage, you want to talk about the only – the only reason this game was not a complete blowout, Matt Murray. Yeah. Like I said, it could have been a 5 nothing game, easily. This guy stood on his head. Like, he played extremely well. I think we also have to give top marks to Casey DeSmith. That was a hard-earned shutout because the Ottawa Senders were getting some fantastic chances on him. Nick Paul with two beautiful backhanders right up tight. Connor Brown and Formington getting in there with wrist shots, Formington with a few more really nice deflections. It just didn't happen because DeSmith was on top of his game. Yeah, he Ottawa probably well should too. have pot, potted Both goalies three. played well. Yeah. Both goalies played extremely well. They, they were in it. But um, yeah, Pittsburgh just got the victory on top. He just couldn't finish or couldn't find the back of the net. Yeah, so it's like this game was actually, even though Ottawa lost and at some points Pittsburgh was just rolling, and you could tell that the Sens were a tired team. They played four games in six nights at that point. It's wild. Uh, I thought that it was a well-played game by both teams, but Pittsburgh was definitely the stronger, more rested team, and it showed. Yeah, 100%. So we're going to move our attention to the fourth and final game of the evening. Bruins versus Senators. This is a 2 to nothing Bruins victory. Bruins scores recorded by Trent Fredericton and Curtis Lazat. Shots for 37-30 for Boston. Frederick Frederick opens the scoring to make it 1-0 Boston after the Bruins completely dominate the play, and Curtis Lazar scores to make it 2-0 Bruins, which would be the final. So, Go figure, Curtis Lazar, eh, guys? Yeah, right? no kidding. <laughs> so I was a- laughing. I'm like, out of all people, it had to be him to score. <laughs> Good Lord. This was a definitely game I had to condense watch just because I watched a little bit of the morning I drilled for Victoria. I got something from a girlfriend for Valentine's Day. 
Oh, nice. so nice. Look at guy, you. Look at this guy here. <laughs> so, a couple of guys I do want to talk about. Matt Murray, again, this is a common theme throughout this episode. 35 saves, 0.946 save percentage. Boy, did he get left out to dry in this game. Holy. This game was so oh. weird, though, because, like, Matt Murray faced 22 shots in the first period and then 15 the rest of the game. Like, the game went from being, holy crap, is Ottawa even here to where'd Boston go? No, Again. the game was horrible, guys. Like, Sam's came out flat. They, they did not look good at all. Not even through one period. They looked like shit. They looked flat. They were not there to play. Yeah, and then Boston disappears too, which made, like, the second weird third game. period of that it. game were just bad. Yeah, it was it was not fun to watch as a sports fan. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I'd rather go watch baseball, and you know, baseball's not on. I hate that sport. Like, yeah, it was horrible. It was it was bad. Well, the only I'm gonna say it right here. The literally the only people who showed up to play in this game were Curtis Lazar and Swayman. Other than that, they were who are they missing? Marshawn, right? Because he got suspended. Marshawn suspended. Uh, Where's Bergeron? Bergeron's injured. Oh God, poor Boston. That's killing my fantasy team right now. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ottawa's oh, no. missing uh, their players, as we've said. It was yeah, sorry. Matt Murray showed up too. It was just yeah, Matt Murray a did. crap game. Uh, it's it was a matinee game. It's to be expected. Yeah. Ottawa yeah. probably could have potted two, three goals in that game too, because they were like after the like, especially in the third. Ottawa just stormed the crease and Boston just let them and uh, poor Swayman was left out to dry, but he, he stood tall. Yeah. Big time, big, big time. time. So it's like, yeah, it was a shit game and some fluky, like some goal. Like they some, were all right. Nothing yeah, special. Right. Nothing special. It was just a crap. It was a crappy matinee game throughout the tape. Yeah. And honestly, and you're talking about, a couple of these goals. I mean, Connor Brown with two shots. I often wonder how different this game would have been when Connor Brown hit the post in the third period, right in front of the net, had the goalie beat, hit the post and went out. You want to talk about a play that's just so gutting to watch because you know, maybe it could have swung the momentum. It could have did something, but fortunately it didn't go in. Well, Shabbat had another one that just rang bar up instead of bar down. Yeah. And it's the senders could not buy a goal. Luckily, it's not turned into a long run of snake bittenness as Ottawa's currently up 4 1 on the Capitals in another matinee game. Oh my God. Four, what is it? 4 1? 4 1. Wow. Connor Brown scored. Look at that. The visor's looking good on him. <laughs> <laughs> true, right? Might just but, keep it. It's true. But unfortunately, we're going to be talking about that game on next week's episode. Unfortunately, not for this week's episode. So. Guys, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you just want to head off to the close for another yeah, episode. For sure. This was fun, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is a lot of fun, Alicia. We really appreciate you doing this with us. Now, before we head off into the close, first of all, where can our listeners find you on social media? And where can they find the After the Buzzer Hockey Podcast? Yeah, you can find me personally on my accounts because our After the Buzzer Hockey Podcast actually got hacked on Twitter. Oh. Um, I have a feeling who it is, but I'm not going to say that. But um. <laughs> Yeah, find me personally on on Twitter at Alicia Scotelaire, um, Instagram at Alicia Scotelaire, and then at our hockey podcast. Just find it us at After the Buzzer Hockey Podcast on Instagram. Give us a quick follow; we'll follow back. And yeah, 
that's where you can find us. Excellent. Now, the final thing we got to talk about, it's Super Bowl Sunday, LA Rams, Cincinnati Bengals. Oof. We got to ask the question, are you going for Cincinnati or are you going for LA? Sorry, I'm rephrase a- that, Tay. Are you going for the Rams or are you going for my buddy winning $7,000? I'm going with your buddy winning seven Gs. Let's be real. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm over LA and I'm not a fan of the, of the Rams. So I'm, I'm hoping Cincinnati, you know, their defense pulls through and their offensive, you know, booms and fucking kicks fire to, uh, to LA. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping Cincinnati pulls a W. Yeah, definitely. I think for myself, I'm going Cincinnati just because again, being a Seahawks fan, it's more of a if I'm not <laughs> Seattle, I want nobody else in our division to win. Yeah, I'm That's with fair. you on that. That's a good point. I like that. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the third line plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our links to iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play on nationalpodcast.network. We're also on Twitter at Third Line Plug. Our Twitter handle Tim is at M Honeybadger. I'm at Great White Gipster, G R 8 W Y T E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the hour, or you just want to shoot us an email to talk about Alicia Scotelaire, shoot us an email, thirdplusnescast at gmail.com. I just realized like we didn't even do top of the hour this week. It was our first time recap, but that's okay. So, Tim, for next week's episode, we got four games on the schedule. We've got this afternoon's game versus the Washington Capitals in Washington, which was a 4-1 victory. Tuesday, we return home to play the St. Louis Blues. Thursday, we travel down to Buffalo to play the Buffalo Sabres. And then Saturday, we are back home to play the Boston Bruins. Until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go Sands, guys. Woo! What are you holding on?